remember that God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. So glad you joined us. My name is Tracy. I'm Leslie. And uh, today our theme is safety. If this is the first time that you have ever listened to Say Yes to Spirit, just want you to realize or, or be aware of what we do is we get together and we simply have a chat about <laughs> what does it mean to say yes to spirit. A chat. A yes. chat. Uh, sometimes it has a little more passion than a chat. <laughs> but along the spectrum yes, of chat. Of chat. Chatting. Yes. And uh, we usually have a theme so that there's something that kind of have some level of structure. That's a good oh, word. Oh, thank you. The word that I don't use very much, mm-hmm. but that's a good word. Um, and it sometimes works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but this week it is safety. That is our theme. Sometimes they're very spiritual and sometimes they're very not. Or, or sometimes they would appear not. There you go. Nice pitch to me for that there, Tracy. That's good. They would appear not. But as we discovered after some odd years doing this, everything has that golden thread of spirituality, which will be really fun to see what that uh, idea of the golden thread and safety. Yes, it will. So at first, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I was a little frightened that we were going to forget. No, we, no, we, we never forget. Never forget. What is it that we never forget? That, that we connect the dots. See, again, a very spiritual concept that we kind of pull that thread through last week's topic to this week's topic, and last week was awakening. Yes. So the connection between awakening and Safety, awakening, and safety. Oh come on, this couldn't be any easier. Don't even act like you're trying to think of something. <laughs> I don't want to just, you know, make it seem as simple as it is. Would we assume that I couldn't be be awakened? That was really interesting. And I had several other conversations with friends after the show about whether it's awakened or awakening. I thought that was fascinating. But anyway. Uh, can I not be? Uh, can I be awakened without feeling safe? I'm going to say no. Are you going to agree? Sure. Just for fun. I think you should agree with me. Sure. I'll be happy <laughs> to agree with you. So we will say that the connection is that safety is the groundwork or the foundation or the beginning to any kind of awakening. Oh, and see, I would say the exact opposite. Oh, really? That once you're awakened, you yeah. must feel safe. But you think you can awaken before you feel safe? Yeah, because usually you're awakened when you don't feel safe in your life. It's all crazy, and then you go into this deeper place, and then you go, oh, there's God. Wow. I'm glad I came. For the discussion, for the chat. But this is just connected dots. Yes, right. But we're going to come back to this at some point, the safety. I just can feel it. Okay, well, that's connected dots this week. And so I uh, will be. But. Okay, it's going to be one of those. Go get your tea. Right, I think I'll be going to get some tea during the break. So we'll be back after this one minute break. Please. Hang with us.
Thanks. We're back with Say Yes to Spirit. So glad that you are with us today as we talk about what does it mean to say yes to spirit as it relates to safety. As it relates to safety. Now, so let's define, so are we talking about physical safety, like physically safe or emotional safety? Do we want to just start with one or the other? Spiritual safety? Can you be spiritually unsafe? That's a good question. <laughs> that my brain immediately goes like, no. No, no. Um, but there is that question of physical safety versus emotional safety, and I think we should start with physical safety. Or we, I really, we'll, we're going to have to talk about them both. We, so we could talk about either one of them. <laughs> and then she just blankly stares at me. Well, yes. I would guess emotional safety is what I'm more, you know, attached to. Okay, let's talk about emotional safety first. <laughs> that would be just fine. And, uh, and uh, let's say emotional safety is something that I um, have not felt much in my personal journey, my personal history, and I think I have. Um, started to feel some of that now and I'm seeing how clearly spiritual that is that being emotionally safe or having a space that feels unconditionally loved and accepted is a spiritual space and I think you know being a therapist I'm all about you know reparenting and learning how to nurture little Leslie and take care of all of that. But if I don't have a safe space to do that, then it becomes kind of a bit of like a babble. It just becomes an intellectual game. So unless there's a safe space to actually fall back into, then all of those sort of psychological things that... that um, breed sort of emotional safety can't really be experienced, I guess, unless there's some sort of, not necessarily a physical safe space or or a safe connection of sorts. Does that make any sense? Yes. Somewhat. Yeah, no, it may perfect Interesting to me to think about emotional safety in in the context of this conversation. If I say yes to spirit, you know, how can I feel anything other than safe? Um, you know, and the obvious answer is I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, and part of the human experience is that sometimes things are not safe or don't seem to be safe, and sometimes people don't feel safe. So um, when you said emotional safety or not, or lack thereof, I immediately fast-tracked or in my brain back to a conversation that I recently was in. It wasn't really a conversation, but it was a comment that I made um, and in a group, and we were talking about dealing with conflict. And what is, um, you know, there's a skill related to being able to, res to resolve conflict or talk through yes. conflict, yes. you know, with, especially without it becoming physical, physically <laughs> unsafe, right? Yes, right, right. Um, and I made a comment about even with having the skills to do that, having used the skill thousands of times, that I didn't always feel it was safe to do so. And what I realized was that some people heard me, what I realized now thinking back, was that some people really heard the word safe and immediately went to physical safety. And, mm. you know, and were like, what? And other people heard the emotionally safe, safety is lacking. And... You know, and that it hits me that I'm always comfortable being myself. I'm really comfortable being who I am. Like, and you've heard me say it before. I don't have to know who you are to mm -hmm. know, to be who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be me, and I'm really comfortable 
in my own skin and being who I am. And there are certain environments where it doesn't necessarily feel like I will be heard or that it, it is safe for me to be who I am. And it doesn't stop me from being who I am or saying what needs to be said, but I notice I'm not safe when I, like, question first. And then I have to not so much talk myself into it, but I actually have that conversation. Okay, is this something that really needs to be said? And the answer is yes. And it's like, okay, well, that person may be really upset or that group may not respond well, but I'm going to say it anyway because I wouldn't be true to myself. So safety doesn't necessarily stop me or that feeling that it might not be safe mm -hmm. doesn't stop me once I go back to either standing in the spiritual truth or being really clear of something I need to express. So, so I'm trying to understand. So the idea of saying something that could put you in a situation where you would be in conflict would then create a scenario where there could be emotional because you lack yeah. of safety, right? Emotional, because it well, wouldn't be like some. You're not in a situation where somebody's going to punch you, right? Right. right. That would be shocking. That would. <laughs> I would say don't take that risk. But yeah, so so, so that's not. So it's yes. an emotional. Yes. So it's like if 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 you and I are in conflict about something, or we have very different opinions, which happens all the time. Imagine that. Right. I don't feel unsafe bringing that up or having a conversation. Emotionally, right. That, you know, I, we can have that conversation. We can have that exchange. We can agree to disagree, but we can have that exchange mm -hmm. and and really seek to understand where each other's coming from. And not be aggressive verbally or condescending or sarcastic. Well, I might be well, sarcastic. Yeah, but <laughs> it's really funny most of the time. But... Uh, that they would be ill-spirited, sort of. Right. I and, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect there to be any, like, long-term repercussion, or six months later it's like, now I'm getting back at you mm -hmm. in revenge. And when there's that, um, I don't know if, if, I don't know if I've ever talked about the trust model on um, Say Yes to Spirit. Michelle, I don't think so. Michelle and Dennis Reyna wrote a book called Trust in the Workplace, Building and Rebuilding Trust in the Workplace. And um, and they created a model that really helps you dissect. Like, you know, a lot of times we'll say, I don't trust you. Or, you know, in the workplace, right? Or, in, in, in or anywhere. Yeah, the model works anywhere. Oh. The book was in the workplace, but the model works for any kind of trust and uh, between people. And so often you'll just say, well, I kind of don't trust that person. And it's fuzzy. It's, you know, you can't get your hands around it. You don't trust them, so you just avoid them or you mm -hmm. just hate them or you just, mm -hmm. you know, do whatever you do. And their model, the Raina model on trust and betrayal, is fascinating and effective because it gives you language to talk mm -hmm. about trust and it gives you structure to be able to see, right, wait a minute, what is it that's keeping you from trusting that person? So there are three categories, confidence trust, communication trust, and contractual trust. And so when you think about it that way, then you're able to say, oh, I don't trust that person because contractually they don't do what they say they're going to do. Mm -hmm. They tell me they're going to, you know, give me, that, give me that monthly report on the 25th of every month, and I'm always going to ask for it on the 1st mm -hmm. of the following month. Um, competence trust. Um, the person always gives me the report on time, but... It's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> it's missing. Oh dear! It's missing data, or right. it's just written so poorly, or it has 15 typos in it. Com the right. competence comes into question. So I don't trust that they're going to actually give me a report I can use. Mm -hmm. So maybe I change the date to the 20th, 
because I know I'm going to have to send it back to them marked up with changes, right? But I don't trust their competence. The communication trust is the one that, you know, I don't trust that they're going to tell me what I need to know or mm. tell me the truth mm. or tell me all of what I need to know mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to say things and communicate things that are harmful or hurtful. Gossip falls into that category that is from a communication standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, they're not always speaking with good intent. And so communication trust often is the one that's so emotional. Competence and contractual are more like kind of cut and dry. Objective. Yeah, you did what you said you were going to do or you didn't. And it might hurt my feelings that you're not, especially like in a marriage or in a family, that you said you would, you know, remember my birthday and you didn't. I mean, that's kind of contractual. You promised me you would, or you promised me we'd go on vacation next year, and then you gambled the money away. You know, that's, you you don't do what you say you're going to do. And that gets emotional because of the relationship. Right. Um, But in general, it's the communication stuff that creates the emotion stuff. So I realize, and from a therapy point of view, Mm -hmm. think about when people come to you and they're just not feeling safe. Mm -hmm. It's usually around communication, unless it's if it's emotional. Right. Physical violence, yes, but right now we're talking about emotional. And it's interesting that you bring trust, the idea of trust, in safety. Mm-hmm. Um, because I neglected the women of the Dallas County Jail last week until mm-hmm. the last five oh, minutes. Very, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have to mention them right away this this, this week. Um, one of the things that we do, having um, a pod of 64 women living together, and we have a classroom of 20 people in uh, class together, and the classes are what we consider psychoeducational. So, but they're they're classes where people talk about the women talk about being raped, or the women talk about losing their child, or the women talk about you know we have um, you know had women in there that you know um, acted out and and caused harm to their abusers and were incarcerated because they you know became physically violent against um, men that were abusing them. So. There's all sorts of emotional conversations that happen in the classroom, and then they go back out into this larger pod with the other women. And one of the classroom rules is confidentiality. And what we always stress is that if if the women don't feel safe in that mm-hmm. small group of 20 yep. and trust each other to share these intimate things that they've never maybe spoken aloud before, then... If, if they feel like that little group of 20 is going to be taken out into the greater pod and talked about, and, oh, did you hear Sally Sue, you know, killed her mother or brother because they were abusing her, you know, that breaks the trust, that yeah. then breaks the safety of that group. Yeah. And it's interesting, the last few weeks we've been having a real issue with that, and it's fascinating to see how even sharing something that wasn't toxic or wasn't, you know, a big deal broke away at that level of trust and that level of safety within the group and caused women to start not sharing or, you know, pulling back a little bit. And usually when people start trusting for the first time or start feeling safe, Mm -hmm. there's, you know, it, there's a hypersensitivity to, you know, the expectation is, oh, then you're not trustworthy, so I'm always looking for reasons to discover, to prove that you're not trustworthy. See, right. you know, and there's, there's always, always enough data. There's a little something there, you know, hanging out. And so to try to balance between, you know, creating a safe environment and then getting to some point along the way that I've got to be willing to go ahead and trust and allow myself to feel safe and see what happens. And to, you know, um, that, 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 that safety has got to on some level be generated from within and without at the same time, I guess. And it's kind of like a dance in a way. And um, to be able to trust 
myself and to be able to trust the person I'm with and to be able to trust, you know, ultimately at the end of the day that, you know, the, the saying yes to spirit idea, mm-hmm. that 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 is ultimately going to keep me safe regardless of my emotional, um, <laughs> I was going to say my emotional competency, using your word, or, you know, the uh, emotional safety of the people around me, you know, that spirit will will be ultimately the thing that, the, the energy that will ultimately keep me safe. Which, yeah, when we believe that our relationship with spirit is the, the relationship that's inseparable and that is always present and that nothing that happens in our lives can happen outside of the infinite nature of God and that everything is always happening for your best and highest good, always unfolding, you know, coming together, then in that sense, how could I not feel safe? That even the, the things that are from a physical, from a human perspective, physically difficult, challenging, danger, you know, feeling dangerous from a human level, that it is all coming together in these ways that, you know, these threads that I don't even really understand. And 10 years from now, I'm going to look back and see it, see how that was exactly a good thing to have happened. And I know you've talked about this before, about the women in the jail, you know, that you know, when when some of them get that insight that, oh, this really, you know, I, I hate, hated the idea of being in jail, but it really is. I'm learning about myself or right. I'm getting sober for the first time in 20 years or, you know, right. or, 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 it's like, okay, how about if every day when things happen that we didn't like, mm-hmm. we actually said, I'm, I, I'm safe. I live in a friendly and safe universe. Mm-hmm. So this is just a part of the journey. And you know that that is um, that kind of brings me back around to physical safety in terms of you know how do I how do I monitor or become in tune with because I and it sounds really kind of bizarre people that don't think like this. Can you imagine my thinking sounding bizarre to people that don't think like I think? Yes. Where are the people that I think like I think? Where are they? I wish I knew. But um, so, but I've always kind of had this just knowing that I'm safe, that I'm physically safe. Now, emotionally, it's a whole other belly right? But physical safety, I've never questioned it. I've never pondered it. I've never, I've been probably in some unsafe physical places. I certainly live in a neighborhood that three-fourths of, the city probably wouldn't want to live in, but um, I've never questioned or doubted or felt unsafe physically, and I think by the mere strength of that knowing, I have not been unsafe physically, even if, and I, and I have family members, I have a sister who's really has a sense of being unsafe. She she has some physical challenges with her eyes, which causes her to have some reality because her eyes don't focus real quickly. So she's had some unsafe experiences in her life, which have kind of validated this sense of physical unsafeness. But she now gets like really overly scared, and which is sort of interesting to see how that you know sense of physical safety. If you put the two of us in the exact same situation, mm-hmm. she would likely be harmed, possibly, because the energy, the energetic within her, is this is not a physically safe space. Does that make sense? And, and it makes total inter- sense. The energetic. Well, <laughs> no. Okay. Me. So it makes it makes total sense. Uh-huh. So you have been at my house at night when. There's a 
liver, a gecko on my <laughs> door, <laughs> on the glass, right? Yes, the ultimate. The exact same situation. Anxiety producing for you. Right, and you're like, oh, look at him, he's so cute. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm like, get away from me, okay? I do not feel okay. safe if that animal yes, you don't. You gets really in my house. You get very nervous about that, yes, right. That is like fear. It is pure fear, <laughs> which makes no sense intellectually, but uh-huh. it is physical. Yes. It's not emotional like my feelings are hurt. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fear is an emotion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's it's physical because it's a physical creation that right. is running in my house. Right. You know, it's bad enough if it's on the window. So, that, I mean, so it's a great example of, it's a silly example, but it's a great example of two people can actually be in the same space right. or in the same experience of what's happening and have completely different realities about it. And, and you know, it is a, you know, they talk about that little intuition, that little something, you know, before my second favorite topic of Oprah, you know, she'll always have, on and off, she'll have stories about people that were attacked or people that got into violent relationships, and when they really track it down back, they had that little intuition, that little gut that says, you know, this isn't good, I shouldn't be here. And... Um, do we trust that or not? And how, you know, going back to the example of my sister and I, you know, this is interesting and I don't have the answer to, but would our intuition be the same? If my hypothesis is that we could be both in an alley where there would be someone there that would do us harm physically. And my hypothesis is that my energy of, my complete knowing was knowing that nothing bad is going to happen to me, I would pass by that person that was going to do ill something, and there wouldn't be a connection to us because my energy wouldn't wouldn't connect with that that sense of something physically is going to happen to me, and my sister's energy is always anticipating something bad is going to happen to her, so the guy standing there would connect to her energy. Whereas I really, and this is why I don't think like most people, I think I'm almost invisible to him because my energy just doesn't connect to that at all. But her energy so aligns with that 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 there would be physical harm potential for her where there really wouldn't be physical harm, literally potential physically harm for me. And so the intuition would be different for us. And that's an interesting thing. I never thought about that because I would think intuition would be intuition would be intuition. Harm would, you know... Harm would be harm would be harm, but now I'm thinking possibly not. That's something really to think about. That's a ponder too. Yeah, actually it is because well, the idea of intuition and intuition is the whisper, right? And so, and at the same time, we know that we manifest what we think about, what we put our attention to, where where our energy is, right? So if I am in a situation and I've already made up the story that this is dangerous and I'm there, right. it, the universe it unfolds it as what would be dangerous to me. But if before I actually got there, or yeah, it was, if there's an intuition that says back up or mm-hmm. turn right instead of left, right. I may not even notice it. Because I'm so focused on this is a dangerous neighborhood or this is, you know, I'm so focused and attached to that belief, I may not even notice the intuition. Because, oh, I see what you're saying. So the intuition, right, in real time you might miss it. And see, I guess that's an interesting thing because I also do have a sense of, I mean, I've been in situations where I had the intuition of, you know, you get in the car and leave now. And I get in the car and leave now. <laughs> you know, I'm not an idiot. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I do think, yeah, I do think that that being in tune with it is important and not allowing my fear to over, override and it. And that's not always easy depending on what the situation is. So... I think, you know, so let's look at the physical violence and the, you know, the easy, easily accessible example is domestic violence 
and physical abuse in that way. And so, yeah, there have been lots of women who, who if when when they're once they're out of the situation, go back and think through and think, oh yeah, not only you know did I have the warning like the first time that my partner or spouse hit me that there was a voice saying leave this relationship now, but I loved him or I loved her so much that I didn't. Um, but yeah, in hindsight, looking back, they can see these little nudges that they didn't really recognize as directional when they were in the situation. So I don't know, I think intuition, when it is intuition, when it is intuition from a spiritual foundation in that way, it's always for your, for your good. It's just, it's not going to yell and scream and jump up and down over what you have invested your belief in. But it does get louder if you don't pay attention. I do believe that. If you want to call it intuition or whatever it is, that there is something, the divine design will get very loud if I don't listen. Yeah, and then it's not intuition. Then it's ah. the cosmic two-by-four. There you go. There you go. Right. The situation escalates and escalates until you get <coughs> guidance and direction from the pain, mm-hmm. from the pain or the failure or the, you know, the 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 consequence of not following the intuition. Right. Yeah. Oh, I get you. That's good. That's uh, that's that's very true. If I'm not listening to the small, still voice, it gets louder and louder and louder. So that, yeah. So it's situations get louder and louder. Yeah. Situations get bigger and bigger and bigger. Not the voice. Until yeah. right. Until you're like, okay, I just like give up, and then you're still enough to hear the little voice that's been talking to you all along mm, right. that you've been ignoring or pushing away. So, and if I'm feeling emotionally and physically safe, I'm more likely to hear that. Because I have been very much in thought about past connections or relationships where I wasn't emotionally safe and I was if I look back in real time in those, I would have brief little moments in the shower like, what are you doing? And then I would go through the day and I would be right back in it. Mm-hmm. But I would have, you know, little snippets of this is not good. And, you know, and again, emotionally, it's just not good for you emotionally. But I didn't have the the emotional strength to pull away from it. It was it was in alignment with a belief that I didn't exactly. deserve anything better than that. And yeah. it was a um, fabulous line in some movie about you know we attract the love that we think we deserve or something like that. And you know, and so it's an amazing thing to to shift out of that and to be away from those relationships and to look back and say wow and 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 the idea of having an emotional safe space now is really, you know, I think I think that's kind of like how God works through people. When we find people that are emotionally safe, that's, you know, God in skin kind of thing. But it's really strange to watch, just for me to watch my life and, you know, flashback and see how, how far, how unsafe emotionally I let myself be. And I was pretty oblivious to it 98% of the time. You know, 2% I would see, oh, and seeing it but not believing it. Or not feeling or feeling powerless to, to take any real action to change it. Thinking, oh well that's just that. You know, this is just this. But now this other ninety eight percent is the real is the real way life works. Mhm. Mhm. And so it's interesting, I wonder if I have you know, if they go hand in hand emotional safety, but I don't think they do because I've always had that sense of physical safety but I not ever in that my course of my life felt emotionally safe. I don't think until recently in some ways. But I don't but physically I've always had that sense of safety, but not emotionally. And did we talk about spiritual safety? Is there such a thing as spiritual safety? All spiritual safety. You know that's not true really because I think I've I've been in um 
I was a, a member of a um of a what would probably be known in the classic sense as a cult. <laughs> no, you were not required to give all your money, give up your money. Oh, well, no, that's true. Right. That's no. true. So it wasn't officially a cult. No. Yeah, okay. But it was certainly the little the little arena in the Dallas area was full of very deeply spiritual, deeply committed people. But there was a hierarchy of um, teachers that weren't so spiritually based. They were more ego based and um, no judgment there. Okay. No, no, no truth. I mean, that's truth. That's <laughs> just truth. And and so there was a spiritual. It was an unsafe spiritual thing that happened at the end, where the master teacher came in and took away the local priest's um, <laughs> power. It's very strange, but I think I had created. It was such a. It was like a little haven of spiritual nirvana for me for a couple of years, and then when the that bigger entity came in and stripped out this local, took away this local group, that became, I became kind of spiritually unnerved, I guess would be a better word, than unsafe for for understanding that, you know, this master teacher, I was kind of unaware, the puppeteer, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't about the spiritual belief. I mean, uh, local me, level. To me, wasn't. that feels like it was still, I mean, and it's your story and your experience, so you get to decide. <laughs> but as I'm listening to you, it sounds, it sounds really, it was an emotional unsafety or lack of safety or removal of safety from an emotional, because I didn't hear you questioning the, your spiritual belief. You were questioning and feeling unnerved by the human action. Oh and right. The human oh, that's power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it didn't keep you it didn't make you question your your spiritual beliefs or right. the fact that spirit is what it is, that God is what it is. You may question look what these lazy person these human people <laughs> are doing and look at this hierarchy and the structure. And, you know, God has no hierarchy, so what is that about? So, spiritually... Oh, that's true. Just because it happened in a spiritual setting. Right. Yeah, that's true. I was overlaying the idea of it being a spiritual safety, and it really wasn't. I mean, if that's the case, I mean, think about every every church or spiritual center or spiritual community. There are crazy people everywhere. There are people being people, <laughs> and so that that results in a feeling of anger and revenge and lack of safety and gossip and all the things that human people do. Mm-hmm. And if you put it in a spiritual house, it doesn't necessarily have to affect the spiritual experience. Right, or, you know, actually in some ways what it does is it gives us the opportunity to actually practice and apply mm, the spiritual right. truth in this human experience of people doing crazy things, mm-hmm. you know, and people making decisions and people being, you know, power hungry and people being difficult to work with. And it's like, oh, but this is a church. So I guess I have some responsibility for actually asking myself, what would love do? How would Jesus in the Christ consciousness behave? Right. Yes, that is always the opportunity, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, we have that opportunity in the workplace. We have that opportunity everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, that made me laugh because um, our licensed practitioners um, earlier this year created a new credo and uh, kind of like a, you know, mission or vision or cult motto. What? Cult motto. (laughs) You got cult today, right? 
And there's a line in it that basically says that, you know, as leaders and, you know, as practitioners, that we take this practitioner consciousness or Christ consciousness with us wherever we go, wherever we are. Wherever we are, yeah, that makes sense. So when you say that there's no, so there's only physical and emotional safety. I'm just trying to go back to this whole idea of spiritual safety. So that doesn't apply. I don't think it does. Jamestown. No. Is that a spiritual thing? No. Cold. So, so, okay. So there's physical and emotional. So if I were in an environment, that, again, I think that would just be the the house that, it's in, it could be a spiritual community, but whether you feel safe or not is not about the spiritual lesson, it's about the emotional or the physical. With the exception, the more we, you know, if we talk about it long enough, we, we always come up, up with right. right, right, right. And so, there's, well, no, I, okay, so I was entertaining for a moment, you know, that <laughs> there are certain spiritual faith systems, faith belief systems, where there are behaviors, actions, rituals that I wonder if people, if there would be some people who would feel not spiritually safe. So even, let's look at the basic tenet that if you don't follow the Ten Commandments, you will go to hell. Now, that could be I don't feel spiritually safe because my spirituality, my religious beliefs, different from the spiritual underpinning, but my religious beliefs have hell as a part of that. So hell, fire, and damnation, mm. if that's a part of your spirit, of your religious beliefs, mm-hmm. will people say, oh, I don't feel spiritually safe because there's that. There's that that little thing called hell. There's that little idea called damnation. (laughs) That makes me feel unsafe. But I think people who have those beliefs would say there's no reason to feel unsafe because you're not going there if you're following what we are saying that you should do. Behaving in the way that we say is the prescribed way of being in the world of living this human life where you're the best you can be as a sinner, that Christ is, Jesus has already died for your sins, and so you are safe because you have made a commitment to follow these commandments and live life in this way or do this ritual. If I'm Catholic, you know, to go to confession, so I am safe and protected. Because I slipped up over here. So that's interesting. That has a whole other topic of, you know, the spirituality concept of doing something in order to get something versus it just being. But but I do think, and in, in I go back, because in my personal life, I, I'm not surrounded by people that have a belief in the devil or hell. That's not That's not my social structure of people that I hang out with. So, but I, but 85, 90% of the women in the jail, that's their um, connection to their spiritual program and we work within the 12 steps and so it's very, it's a very active part of what we do with women to get involved in a spiritual relationship with their higher power and however they identify that. So as they identify it in a Christian way, they have a lot of language around the devil's in the pod, or the devil's coming at me today, or the devil. And there's such an element of being unsafe in that, and there's such an element of fear. Ooh, that's interesting. Fear. Would fear be the opposite of safety? If I'm feeling unsafe, am I in fear? I want to say no, but I don't have an explanation for it yet. <laughs> we continue to think about that. But but this sense of the devil or the sense of, you know, something outside of me is waiting for me or, you know, going to trip me up, that creates a real deep sense of fear for these women. 
and then the fear seems to be, you know, it it's it, it's external, and I I always am fascinated by, you know, the, the idea that this external thing is going to come in and and kind of like in the night, you know, take me away, take over, take yeah. over, and. Um, how to spiritually see, you know, God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, God is all-good. There is, you know, no opposite of that. So so it seems like, I think I'm trying to convince myself that there is a sense, if I have a sense of the devil or the hell, that that creates a, an opposite of this sense of all good, all love, which would be where safety is. And if I'm in fear or anxiety or feeling I have to act a certain way to get, that that's not a that's not a that's not a safe space. So actually, that's really interesting because to me, because yes, I mean, and you know, I stand in that place of believing that all there is is God and. There is no duality, so there is no devil that has power over me because only God has power in my life. So we've talked about physical, especially, you know, with that image of someone physically hitting or, you know, abusing you in some way. But what about the, when you were talking, what hit me was, Physical, like when someone gets diagnosed with cancer, it's a physical thing they could be that they are afraid of. What does this mm-hmm. mean? Fear. Or a physical right. challenge mm-hmm. of going through chemotherapy and radiation therapy and you know drugs and all that you go through when you are going through the process of treatment for cancer, and so. In that process, many people would say, I don't feel safe. You know, my body has betrayed oh, me. Right, right, right. My body has betrayed me or this cancer is taking over. The cancer becomes what what some people would say the devil. A thing, yeah. yeah it's, and it's external to the truth of who I am, but it's inside my own body, mm-hmm. right? So that, that just triggered that idea of, wow, when someone has... And not just cancer, but, you know, any kind of chronic or long-term disease or condition. Um, I think about my dad who had multiple heart attacks when he was alive and wondering, wow, if I had had four or five or six heart attacks along the way, would I feel safe? Mm. Would I feel safe going through the world, you know, going through my day-to-day life? Would I feel safe? getting behind the wheel of a car thinking I could have a heart attack or a stroke in any moment and not know, not be in control of that. So safety in that sense, you know, it's still, that's both a physical and an emotional. And it is loss and it is, um, but again, if I go back to, there's a, a woman who, um, I know, and I think you know, I was going to say that we both know, but, I mean, her example of going through the the journey with cancer has been so amazing to me because she, in her Facebook posts and in the things that she says in person, you know, it's like so clear that she is standing in this place called I believe in God. Right. And I believe this in... This place called, I believe in <laughs> God. I like it. This place called Camelot. And, yes. and so, yes, my the doctors have diagnosed cancer and I am having all these treatments and, or these tests for this procedure. But it, she, she doesn't allow that to define who she is. Right. And at one point when, when it, you know when it looked like maybe she was going to die or there wasn't anything else they could do. And she very beautifully actually acknowledged the fear, but simply by acknowledging it, then shifted into, wait a minute, 
what am I being afraid of? Mm-hmm. You know, and and so that that example for me is like a good one for this. It's like safety is a choice. Mm. It doesn't just happen, or it is always available. Maybe. Yes, if it's a choice, I can choose it. Right, if I it's can a choose it. It's got to be present, and so even if I well, and another person from our center told us share the story, and since I don't really have her permission to share it, I'm not going to say her name, and I'm not going to tell the whole story. Sally Sue, but but it it really it for me it's like a trigger. I mean, she had a car accident. She was in a car accident. Two people came over to help her, so she thought, and they actually robbed her. Yikes! I thought they were going to be angels. Oh, that story took a ugly turn. <laughs> and oh, my gosh. Went and wow. The, you know, ambulance came. And they were God. taking her to the hospital. Her mindset was so, her mind was so fixed on her spiritual truth mm-hmm. that, you know, like the folks, the attendants, the EMT folks or whatever, or paramedics, whoever she was with, you know, were kind of like they heard the story and they were like, oh, there's so many bad people in the world. And her place of being, of standing mm-hmm. in spiritual safety was basically, yeah, you know, this accident was not how I planned to have my day and being robbed wasn't, but something good is going to come of this. And the, the you know, guy who stole my money, you know, like basically I'm going to get everything back that was taken from me mm-hmm. and whatever. And, you know, and so when she got ended up getting a new car, you know, because her car had to be repaired or replaced or whatever, and she actually did get some communication from the folks who, you know, stole from her and either, you know, everything was fixed. You know, her cards were canceled and replaced. Everything just fell into place because she believed right. she lives in a safe universe. Right. That bad things can happen, but it didn't make her bad, and she didn't switch to making other people bad. Even the people who stole her phone and her credit cards and her ID, she didn't make them bad. And I don't know if I could do I'd like to believe I could do that. I'd like to believe I could do that. Mm-hmm. That that's where I would stand. But I don't know. I mean, I you know, I don't know. I think I would. You know, it's a... Um, I've heard people say when they were robbed or something, you know, well, they must need it more than I. And that and that's kind of a classic thing people people say. I can I can remember once I was living in California and my purse was stolen out of a movie theater. And the interesting part of that sentence for those of you who really know me would be the fact that I had a purse. Oh. <laughs> there you go. And anyway, my purse was uh, stolen out of out of the movie theater. And um and I don't recall being panicked about it. Then the next day, someone called me, and they had found it intact in a phone booth. It is in it. And um, and I just I just don't I don't recall having any reaction that night. And I don't know that I was particularly spiritual when I was living in California. But I just remember feeling, you know, that it was just it was kind of like it was gone. You know, overreacting to it wouldn't wouldn't have made any difference to it. But I think emotional things I'm much more attached to. Isn't that curious? You know, I get much more nervous or anxious or the emotional unrest of my life is so much more glaring for me than the physical unrest. My mother told me once when I was very young that you can't be physically ill and emotionally ill at the same time. And I don't ever get sick. <laughs> and I think I'll take mental illness over physical illness. I'm not certain those around me would agree, but you know. 
having a family with a lot of people that are physically unwell, it's, um, I think that's a much tougher test. I don't know. That is an interesting thing to ponder. I mean, you think about it, though. You know, people that are really, they, they do sort of come either or. They're either kind of screwed up mentally or they're screwed up physically. Well, no, it's not one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to be in either category if I, if I could have a choice. In safety and awakening, we never came back to that. Well, we have connected dots. I know, but you have about three minutes <laughs> if you want to go back to that. Just the idea of, because uh, you were saying that the awakening happens and that gives the safety. And I was uh, feeling as if the safety has to be present first for the awakening to happen. And I'm not I'm not committed to either. I'm not being an absolutist on either or yet. Yes. Yes. But um. So I think it can happen in either in either sequence. Ah. Okay. Or at the same time, it just struck me when you were saying that how many people. I mean, even your favored Eckhart Tolle. Mm. His awakening came because he was at the end of oh, the Oh, yes. Uh, not feeling safe, valued, loved, or respected in this human world and ready to, like, chuck it all. Right. Byron Katie, in, in, you know, her book before she created the work, she was, you know, ready to check out, ready to commit suicide, and then there was that, but what if? And then she had this awakening that, oh, that's... It's just so simple. It, I've made up a story about all this stuff. And really, is it true? I mean, you know, and that was the foundation for everything she's done since. Neil Donald Walsh. Well, I mean, there's so many people. And then, you know, forget the famous people. Just every everybody we know. How many people are drawn to not just you know, our center, the churches in general, because their life is, in, from their estimation, a complete mess. Or they hit rock bottom and they go into 12-step recovery programs because they have, right. And so, and then they become awakened and then they realize the safety really is generated from within. So I guess it's you were talking it's just, it's yeah, yeah. I was just seeing picture, 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 picture in my mind. Since she said Eckhart Tolle, I have to erase. <laughs> I could have stopped at Eckhart Tolle. Because I got it I got it at Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, that's very true though, that is true. So it can be an either or kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that there are people who feel safe, and because they feel safe, they explore their spirituality more mm -hmm. and at a deeper level, and they, you know, walk or crawl or meditate their way into an awakening, because I, I, I didn't get to awakening because of lack of safety. Right, you personally. Right, right, right. right. So, I just think they kind of were hand in hand. There you go. An either or kind of thing. A gray. Leslie's least favorite. Uh, we need yeah. to write this day on the calendar. Gray. I, can, I, can, I can accept gray. Well, I feel safe in gray, and that's really about all the time we have. So, any, anything else you want to add about safety and saying yes to spirit? Saying yes to spirit and safety. I, uh,. I am just grateful for the idea of safety and grateful for the sense of safety. It's a nice, nice space. Great. Great. Grateful and great. So thanks for everybody listening, whether you're listening live or by recording. We appreciate it, and I hope that you will come and hang out with us again. Our next topic will be passion. Oh, wow. And, uh, there we go. Or just go online anytime and look through the list. We've been doing the show for four years, so oh. look through the list and find a topic that uh, interests you and check it out. But until then... Say, Say yes, yes to, to spirit. spirit.